Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. And David returned home to bless his family. This is where life is to be lived. It's not lived in the temple. It's not lived here at church. It's designed to be lived in the home. Before there was a school, before there was a church, before there was a government, there was a home. Life is to be lived in the routine of every day in our home. God is to be the center of the home. Imagine you could only communicate with your loved ones via post-it notes, never seeing them. Would it hinder your relationships? When we hear David's exhortation in Psalms chapter 105 to seek God's face, he's speaking about a close relationship with the Lord. So often we seek the Lord when we want something, jotting off brief notes to God and sending them up with a please. And sending them up with a please. When you communicate face-to-face, you achieve a level of intimacy that surpasses those impersonal scribbles. When you're eager to know someone, you don't only ask and take, you offer and you give. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 6, verse 23, with today's study. You see these people just demonstrative with their worship. They look like the most holy people in the world. If you looked at their life during the week, sad, sad. So it's of the heart. It's not about the outward thing. Verse 23 is an interesting verse. And Michael, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Now, that doesn't mean that God cursed her. We don't really know totally, but there are many wonderful Bible commentators, Alan Redpath is one, that says what happened here was this. David rebuked his wife. Because of that, he never slept with her again. He took it that far. And there are many commentators that believe this was the start of David's downfall. Because later, Bathsheba came into the picture. This was the start. David overreacted and went too far in his relationship with his wife. Didn't sleep with her again. Then when the temptation came, he fell. You know, the Bible speaks about this. Head over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 for a moment. The Bible is very practical in its ways of understanding us. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 2. Actually, uh, verse 1 is a great verse. I remember teaching on that a long time ago. I love to have fun with that verse. It's good for a man not to marry. 
period. Thank you very much. This has been a nice study. Well, there's some balance to that, isn't there? Paul goes on and he says this. But since there is so much immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Verse 3. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. Now see this verse, if the commentators are correct, wasn't written yet, but David didn't follow. He didn't follow that principle. Verse 4, the wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. So Paul is saying this, that when we get married, we have a responsibility to fulfill those natural, God-given sexual desires for our spouse. Sexuality is good. It's given by God. It's the way we show love to each other. It's also a way that we create our families to fulfill the initial commandment to replenish the earth. There needs to be fun and tenderness and mutual satisfaction in the sexual area. You see, the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, likewise the wife. Now, don't use those words. I will fill my my marital duty to you tonight. (laughs) If you do, you'll be in for counseling, and we don't have that much time. (laughs) Paul is trying to say that when we get married, we become one. My body belongs to my wife as well as myself. And we have a responsibility to to please each other within balance, within reason, in a loving way in our homes. Verse 5. Do not deprive each other, and this means sexually, except by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. So if you're going to have a situation where you're going to be fasting or praying over maybe a a son or daughter or a financial situation or moving to a new area or something, husband and wife get together and say, for the next four days, we're just going to pray about these situations. And instead of coming together sexually during that time, we're going to take that energy and that focus and move it to the problem that we're praying about. Notice, it's mutual. It's mutual. The wife comes to the husband and the husband comes to the wife and they agree on it. It's not one saying, well, you know, I have this situation and for the next month, that's not what it's saying. It's mutual because we're together as a team. We become one. Notice it's not only mutual, but it's for a period of time. Why? So that you can devote yourself to prayer. Then read on. Then come together again. What does that mean? To come together and shake hands? No, it means sexually again. Sexual intercourse. Come together again at the end of this time. Why should you do that? So that Satan will not tempt you. 
David with Bathsheba because of your lack of self-control. The Bible is very plain, very wise, and very upfront. Nothing shameful about what we read tonight. It's wonderful. We need to practice it. If you're here tonight, your husband and a wife, if there's a marital problem in the area of sex, you need to sit down and talk about it. Don't let it become something that divides you. Because Satan is always looking for a door to bring people down. And that's a powerful door in all of our lives, either from abuse from either end, too little, too much. Come before God, ask for his wisdom, confess between each other. Remember Amos 3 says this, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? And that means in every area of our life, you cannot go against the principles of God and expect success in your marriage. It will not happen. You say, well, here's my reasons, here's my... I just told you. Confess, get down before God, and ask Him to heal your marriage. We have to protect our marriage, and the only marriage manual that's really worth reading, full-time, is this one. And it covers it, as you already saw tonight, all. There's nothing it leaves out. It's there. Back to chapter 16, 1 Chronicles. This is a very interesting chapter. We're going to just skim parts of it because you can use this in your own devotions this week. The whole focus of this chapter is on God. It says, Then they brought the ark of God and set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And they presented burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before God. And after David had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. So the ark was brought into the tent. Worship was now expressed another way. It was expressed through burnt and fellowship offerings. Today, we worship also, not only with music, but with personal sacrifice as well. Romans 12, 1 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So it is good to sing. And you guys did a great job as you worship tonight. But that's not all worship is. Now it doesn't mean when you go home and sing, in the shower, that isn't worship, that's fine too. But what God is really saying to us, we don't offer animal sacrifices anymore. There's no need for that. The pure sacrifice was Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. But we do offer the sacrifice of our own bodies. Every day, Romans 12.1 says, you know, the world today says, give me this low-cost, low-maintenance religion. Jesus says, no way. I don't know what you're even talking about. You're to present your body as a living sacrifice every day, 24-7, 365 for God. God, how you want to use me tomorrow? I'm ready. I'm open. Whatever you want, I'm willing to do it. That's what, don't hold anything back in your life from God. That's what sacrifice means. Actually, the King James says this is your reasonable service. It just means this. It's logical. I mean, the only reason I have life tonight is because Jesus laid down his life. The only chance I'm going to heaven is because Jesus laid it all on the cross. So it's a reasonable thing for me to do. It's a logical thing for me to do. Every day, just say to God, hey, God, I'm yours. 
However you want to use me today, let's go for it. Your power, my body, go. Now, you know we have a problem. We offer that body, but about midday, we crawl off the altar. And we want to head our own direction. No, you got to get back on it. So often during the day, you have to yield yourself to God. Now, here's the key. It says, Paul says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies. If you feel you have to give yourself to God because you have to, forget it. It's because you want to. It comes from the heart. Don't make it a religious thing. And I talked to so many people, and that's one of the reasons Europe is dead. Because religion was had to. It's not have to, because I want to. Because God is good. First Chronicles 16.3 Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins, and a scoop of briars to each Israelite man and woman. Sounds good already, doesn't it? Man, cake of dates and a cake of raisins, I'm hungry. A loaf of bread, hmm. What did David do? I think this is great. As a leader, he blessed the people. You know, it's a privilege to serve. I love to serve. It's just a privilege to serve people. Remember, God says this, it's better to give than it is to receive. So David just gave. And you guys bless us. You're just a giving congregation. Not only in your finances and nobody ever pushes you or whatever. You're just a giving congregation. You love people. You meet new people. You're offering yourself. I mean, we sign up for all these things. You're just a giving people. You're doing right. You bless us. That's what David did. Verse 4. And he appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord to make petition to give thanks to praise the Lord of the God of Israel. Now Asaph was the chief, and Zechariah second, and all these other guys. I'm not going to go through all their names there. They played in music, and Asaph was to sound the cymbals. And as they did this, they did it, notice in verse 6, regularly before the ark. So David appoints all these people. He really appoints Asaph to be in charge of the ark and its new surroundings and to offer prayer. And here's Asaph, and he's with the other Levites. And they're just now beginning to play and to sing musical attributes to God. How wonderful. Now, who came up with this music? Well, David. And what you see in verses 8 through 22, that's very similar to Psalm 105. In this address, the nation of Israel, let's just read a couple of the verses as we go through. Verse 7, that day David first committed to Asaph and his associates the psalm of thanks to the Lord. He said in verse 8, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, Make known among the nations what he has done. That's a great principle. It says we're to tell others how great our God is. Tell others how God has restored our lives, changed our marriages, put purpose and meaning in our life. One of the most powerful things you can do is to learn to give in a short time your personal testimony, what God has done for your life. When that takes place, and you share it, the glory goes to God. Not to church, not to a man, not to a system, but to God. Verse 9, sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength and seek his face. What do we usually seek? His hands. 
We seek his hands because we want him to give us something. David says, no, you seek his face. What does the face signify? Intimacy from our heart, from our heart to his heart. So when we put God first, when we seek his face, everything else happens. He continues to bless us. Remember, don't just worship God for the things in life. Life doesn't consist in things. It consists in God. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. O descendants of Israel, his servant, O sons of Jacob, his chosen one, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. The word he's commanded for a thousand generations. It's just talking about the unconditional promises of God. You sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap from the Spirit. Why? Because it's the promise of God. He goes on and he talks about, in verses 16 through 17, some things about nation of Israel and how he has kept all those promises and made them a nation. Now, verse 23 to 33 is Psalm 96. And it's addressed now to all people. Look at verse 23. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. We are the only ones that have good news. Look at our newspaper. What are we seeing in our world today? The economy is in trouble. People are being laid off everywhere all over the world. Crime is on the rise. Shooting in our school. And the list goes on. And on and on. Who would have ever thought we would be in a day like this? By the way, it's going to get worse. Who has the good news? We do. The Bible says, proclaim his salvation day after day. This world is destined to be destroyed. We're going to be out of here. We're going to a better place. Now, verse 24. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among who? All peoples. That's the reason for foreign missions. Why? Because Jesus died for all the world. His marvelous deeds need to be told among all peoples. We can't just sit here in this little building. No matter how big this little building gets. We've been called to all the world. Remember it. God's going to do that for us. Verse 25, For great is the Lord and more worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy in his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families and nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Now when you come on down to Verse 34 and 36, that's from Psalm 106, verses 1 and 47 and 48. Let's read them. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his love endures forever. Cry out, save us, O God, our Savior. Gather us and deliver us from the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name, that we may glory in your praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And at the end of all this worship, it says, all the people said, amen, and praise the Lord. Let's say amen tonight. Let's do it. Amen. Amen. And let's say, praise the Lord. Do it as if you mean it. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's what happened. It was around there, and they were praising God. Sometimes we need a few more amens around here. 
That's it. You guys got it, man. Now, don't go overboard on me. Just watch you now. David left Asaph and his associates before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to minister there whenever they felt like it. No, what? On a regular basis. That's what it's all about. Now, you see in verse 37, uh, 38 and 39, David had the Ark in Jerusalem, but the tabernacle was still in Gibeon. Now, eventually, all that thing would be brought together. But at this current time, there was two worship centers, two high priests. Look at verse 40. In accordance with everything written in the law of the Lord. Everything. So once again, they had come back to that point. We have to know what the law says. We have to do what God's word says. Wise things in our lives. Now it says, after all of this, the symbols were done. The instrument was done. Look at verse 43, our ending verse tonight. Then all the people left, each for his own home. And David returned home to bless his family. This is where life is to be lived. It's not lived in the temple. It's not lived here at church. It's designed to be lived in the home. Before there was a school, before there was a church, before there was a government, there was a home. Life is to be lived in the routine of every day in our home. God is to be the center of the home. You see, it's not here where we just worship. We bring our worship from our homes to here. Husband, you're to be the spiritual leader of that home. Those of you that are single parents, if it's a woman, you have to be the leader. That's fine. God will give you strength to do that. We have to have a leader in the home. Husband, lead in worship. You set the spiritual tone in that home. It's your responsibility. You can't leave it to your wife. It's your responsibility. You need to love as God loves. You need to pray with your spouse, with your children. You need to bless them. You need to be an encourager. Pray for them daily. They went home, each to his own home. In a moment, we're going to go home. We're going to go to our own homes. That's where life is lived. You worship God out of your home, out of your life. If your home is not a place of joy and peace, if it isn't a place where there's blessing, if there's something wrong in your marriage, you ask God, God, I need help. I want to do it right. Don't be proud. Get on your knees. Get with your spouse. Maybe as you leave tonight, husband, as you go home, you realize you haven't been the spiritual leader you need to be. Confess that before God. Admit it. Wives, let your husband be the leader. Your team, I don't mean to control you at all. You know that's not balance. But he needs to be the spiritual leader of that home. You allow him to be. Husbands, you take the role. Pray for your family. Pray for your children. You set the stage. That's the way God's designed it. If we believe that God is alive, then our religion shouldn't be dead. Today, David showed us what fervent faith and worship looked like for him. He was obedient in his sacrifice and thanksgiving, not performing duties out of obligation, but because he wanted to give glory to God and wanted the people to see it as well. After David returned home, he went to bless his family. 
which Pastor Mark reminded us is the greatest example of all. Pastor Mark covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review. You can listen to today's message again by logging on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Or you can also call us toll-free. The number to call is 866-779-3441 to place an order for a CD. Again, that number to call is 866-779-3441. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. That's info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Lessons for Living is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark continues his teaching in the book of First Chronicles, when David will seek to build the temple for God, but the Lord will make a different covenant with David. David has been richly blessed during his time as king, and God promises to continue that blessing, but David would not be given permission to build the temple. The Lord's plans may be mysterious, but we must follow them. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.